Welcome back to part two of our overview of the Asia-Pacific absorbent hygiene market. When we last left off, Rocky Ye and Tina Lee had just shared some high-level information with us on the APAC market. They covered changes in demographics, incomes, birth rates, and population growth throughout the region, and shared how these changes are shaking up approaches in the market. But the question still remains now, what does it all mean? What does it mean for you, the article producers? What does it mean for your suppliers like Bostic? And what does it mean for your consumers? Luckily, Bostic is here to help. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene, the podcast that enables you to grow your knowledge and influence in the absorbent hygiene industry. My name is Jack Hughes, and my mission is to help you, the absorbent hygiene article producer, design and produce the best possible products to meet the needs of your consumers. On today's episode, we'll conclude our discussion with Rocky Ye and Tina Lee on the Asia Pacific market. They'll share what all of those changes that they discussed in the first episode of this interview mean for you, the article producers. They'll touch on supply and logistic challenges, ingredient transparency, and then cover major consumer trends that are impacting the APAC market so that you can react accordingly to meet the needs of your consumers in the region. So then with on all those changes you just mentioned, not just in the demographics, but in commoditization and cross-regional expansion, consolidation, and private label and new entrants, what are then some of the challenges that are facing article producers and in in turn their their suppliers like Bostic? Yeah, I think we, we talked about Rocky and me, we talked about the premiumization. Yeah, it, it's definitely a growth area where the uh, in developed markets like in Japan, Korea, and in China. So there are more innovations that drive the growth. And we also see the article manufacturers naturally spending their efforts of doing so. And uh, sustainability is all also a hot topic. And we see those uh, manufacturers are introduced more sustainable products, including using the uh, bio-based or biomass you know, approach that will address some of those consumers' needs as well. And also, like I also discussed in the previous topic about they have diversified their focus to the high growth region. Like we talked about India and Southeast Asia, and we see those manufacturers are kind of invest their lines in this region and trying to grow in the highest growth market. And besides uh, what we talked about, the product innovation to capture the consumer needs. For example, we talked about the compound core. It's a, a good uh, example where that uh, this core provides a core integrity and uh, with a very thin feature. So that actually grow uh, very fast in China, actually in China, already of uh, 95% of the markets are dominated by compound core. And uh, with the growth of the core diaper manufacturer, the, this product is also expected to the other regions in Asia as well. So we see the growth on there. And we also see uh, very interesting that, especially in the COVID, some manufacturers quickly actually adapted their limes to make a mask. So those manufacturers are enjoyed the high growth during the pandemic period. 
uh, we see actually those manufacturers are quite flexible and uh, quickly adapt to market needs. Are those are very important for them to grasp the uh, growth of the market? Yeah. Yeah. So regarding the challenges, I think a uh, a main challenge is the sustainability. Tina mentioned uh, the market is going from uh, three hundred billion to four hundred billion goods, and uh, the population here is forty um, percent of the world population, and it's a fast growing market. Um, people are looking for improvement of, of their life, so there are more consumption of of these plastic uh, goods, right? So the sustainability is uh, how we can make a sustainable growth to. Both support people's needs of improved life, but also make it affordable for the world resources. So we are going to face how to manage our resource and how to develop new product which are sustainable and based on a sustainable supply chain. That's one of the main challenge um, faced by this industry. And we also talked about some commoditization. So there are going to be more competition on the price-driven tiers. And for the premium tiers, the challenge will be the quick pace of how you adapt to the market change in a quick pace. People are doing very quickly on their product change or package change or the way they do business, like from the offline to online or to online to offline, they open different channels. So the world has changed uh, versus what the, it used to be in 10 years ago. So now there are several main challenges and uh, the people who can find the solution quicker will be the winner for the future. Yeah, so Rocky talked about uh, the sustainable growth. Uh, I think we just cannot ignore the profitability because if uh, manufacturers cannot make profit after their business, so that's definitely not uh, sustainable. But re retaining the profitability is really a challenge for both manufacturer and supplier in the past years. So we both know that the raw materials and feedstock costs were largely increased right, due to the hiking of crude oil. The unstable supply chain and crazy freight costs double the impact to the profit as well. Uh, so actually in China, according to a public financial report of the article producers, the profit of most companies were negatively impacted actually by a double-digit rate. However, the article producer hesitated to pass the cost to consumers. There are a few producers along the price crease while the resistance of the market uh, was encountered. Most of producers decide to hold the price and absorb the cost by themselves. Uh, so it's definitely a very um, difficult market situation of today to be profitable. But we all believe that the innovation and focus on the consumer needs will help the company to just go through the uh, difficult time and being sustainable yeah, for the future. I think that's been really interesting over the last year and a half, what you mentioned, Tina, about certainly whether it be from COVID, from lack of supply, from, from supply chain issues, from freight costs, prices for not only suppliers like Bostic, but also for the, the hygiene article producers themselves. Their costs are going up, but due to the competition, they a lot of people have been hesitant to pass that on to the consumer for fear of losing business. And as you said, it remains to be seen how sustainable that is if, if people uh, or if companies, they need to turn a profit, they need to 
be able to grow. And that's hard to do as your costs are increasing if you're not increasing your prices. So that'll certainly be be very interesting. One of the things I did want to want to touch on is, you know, we see it a lot in in Europe, regulations around products, and we're starting to see it a little bit in in the United States with with some regulations, particularly around menstrual health products. And I was curious if you're seeing anything similar in the Asia Pacific region as it pertains to either sustainability or product safety. Yeah, sure. So it, it's very hot topic. So. Generally speaking, European countries are leading the world trend and the movement of regulation. And these are important reference for Asia countries. There are a lot of discussion between the government and the hygiene manufacturers to make sure the regulatory changes are reasonable and uh, maintain good balance um, between the consumer concerns and the scientific evidence. Yes, so those... Uh, associations in China and India proactively working with industry players to improve the quality and the safety of products. Uh, the Chinese state administration for market regulation approved three standards for hygiene products, which are related to fluff pulp, adult diaper, and disposable paper product degradation. The adult diaper standards aim to provide guidance to production of adult incontinence products manufacturers and to strengthen the healthy development of the industry. So what we can foresee is that there will be more standardization and increased requirements on safety of the materials used in the hygiene product uh, than all the raw material suppliers and the article producers should uh, pay more attention to the evolution of the regional regulation. Absolutely. That transparency of ingredients and what's going into a product or or what's going into these hygiene articles will continue to be a big focus. As you said, not just in Europe where where it's kind of leading the way or in the Americas, but also in as you said in China. And I think it's it's also good to hear that as the the adult incontinence industry and demand is growing in a country like China that you're seeing, you know, regulations and standards being developed as well in conjunction with with industry producers, because I think that'll be a big benefit to users as demand continues to increase there. So I think that's that's really great to hear. So as anyone who has listened to some of our earlier episodes and and the previous overview we had of the, the European, Middle East and Africa market would know, we like to break consumer needs and trends in the market into five different categories or what we refer to as the five C's. And those are convenience, comfort, confidence, consistency, and cost. And I'd like to touch on a few of these today and and how article producers are addressing these needs with their solutions across the Asia Pacific region. And given that Tina was our guest on the topic of convenience when we had our episode on convenience in 2021, I think it would be good to start with this one. So uh, how are article producers addressing the needs with their solutions across the region, particularly as it pertains to convenience? Yeah, so as we talked about in the convenience episode, so I, I said that convenience is actually where the disposable hygiene articles are designed for. So that is for the convenience to make uh, people's life easier. So uh, in Asia, we actually see a lot of trends that are actually driven by the convenience. The example is the, the pants diaper. 
So uh, it's actually a single, let's say, category of the diaper that achieves the highest growth across the region, APEC region. To dominate the market in India, Indonesia, Vietnam, Thailand, and in China, I mean, the pants and tape diaper ratio is already close to 50 to 50. One reason is that it's, it's quite easy to change. So new parents always worried about whether the diaper is put in right way. I shared in the episode of Ken Williams' talk that mom could try up to five times to fix the tape diaper on her baby when changing the diaper. So it sounds very crazy, but sometimes it's true. So because for the tape diaper, uh, you have to you know fix the hook on the, on the front tape, sometimes just not fix or put in the way that the mom liked it to be. So... Consumers sometimes try many times, but for for the pants, it's just uh, so easy. You just take it as uh, underwear, so you put it up, it's done. So that is the reason that we see uh, a high growth on the pants diaper, and uh, that's really give a convenience to the consumer. So we we also see another reason in the region why the pants is getting so popular is that uh, you can see that the manufacturers in this region they actually offer similar uh, unit price pants diaper over the uh, tape diaper. So then even like promote uh, the small size pants diaper to the three to four months baby. So like like in India, probably the pants diaper will take uh, more than eighty to ninety percent of the market share. And of course, we see all those is to actually address the consumer needs of the convenience. Yeah, yeah. and uh, maybe just um, to remind another fact. So in a- a- Asia, a lot of people are having very long working hours a day. You know, the Japanese or Korean people or even Chinese people or Indian people are working very long hours. And it makes them less time to spend on how to change diaper or wear a diaper for their babies. So the convenience is really a big benefit for those people. Yeah, we've certainly been seeing that from our side. And I've always been kind of surprised. Tina, I mentioned this on the convenience episode that when you when you talked about pants diapers, that holding a baby up and putting pants on as opposed to a tape diaper. It always seemed like the pants could be more challenging. But as you said, it, it's certainly a convenience thing when you're considering having to readjust a tape diaper several times. And mm-hmm. if you're getting the hang of it and you know you have less time, then as you mentioned, Rocky, it's it's people are gonna definitely gravitate towards it and and prefer to use a pant diaper. <laughs> yeah, I guess Chinese mom uh, or maybe Asian mom is just uh, you know too care about the baby. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the, the tape diaper is too tight, then open it again and refix. Oh, we are yeah. not uh, put it in the right uh, position. We need to do it again. So, yeah, pants diaper is more easy just to pull up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, Rocky, you kind of alluded to this with the busy lifestyle and, and longer working hours and things like that. So when it's and, and I, I think anyone who has any sort of experience or knowledge of the Asia Pacific market will know the extent that e-commerce has grown and is is in many ways more advanced than, you know, Western culture's use of e-commerce. So I want, was wondering if, if you, you could touch on the impact of e-commerce on the hygiene industry in Asia Pacific. 
I just have gut feeling people don't go to the supermarket as often as in the past. And from my personal experience, most of my purchasing are online. And uh, the big advantage of online purchasing on the e-commerce platform, you can review all the ratings and comments from all the consumers. So you can make a quick judgment if you want to buy it or not. Yeah, I call the same. I think it's extremely uh, true that to buy from the uh, e-commerce is convenient in the COVID situation. Like now in Shanghai, um, you already know that so we're in lockdown. Yeah, so you you cannot go to the shop to buy the diapers or any other uh, napkin. Then you have to shop on the e-commerce. Another thing is that, uh, so you know that the diapers and the adult incontinent products are provided in big package. So it, it's very heavy. But for the e-commerce, you can deliver it at your home. So that is also very convenient. Uh, so that, that is uh, more consumer uh, preferred to shop online. And due to that, we also see some brands, like we talked uh, before about those uh, growing private brands that Growth, have a high growth uh, through the e-commerce channel. Actually, we see some brands are only sold through the e-commerce or some big brands only launched the uh, dedicated tier on the e-commerce uh, platform. Those private labels uh, took the uh, e-channel opportunity to attract the consumer and enjoy uh, the good growth. Yeah, as I mentioned, particularly in China, I think some of the e-commerce capabilities that are happening over there are, are more advanced than they are, at least in my experience in the United States. And, you know, it's no surprise that that would have an impact on the hygiene market and, and being able to easily order diapers or, or whatnot. And then, you know, as you mentioned, Tina, seeing brands just kind of launch that are only focused on that kind of that direct-to-consumer model. We see some instances of that here in, in the U.S. and in North America and in, in Europe. But yeah, I think the kind of e-commerce situation in, in a place like China certainly lends itself to more direct-to-consumer brands like that. Yeah. So one other aspect of convenience that that we've talked about are indicators and sensors. So not just wetness indicators, but also wetness sensors that we, we see mainly in adult incontinence, but also in other areas. So I was wondering if you could touch on the kind of impact or popularity of sensors in the Asia-Pacific market. Yeah, so wetness indicator is not a cheap product. Uh, even the usage on each diaper is very uh, small, but uh, it's a specialty. It gives uh, a very uh, good color indication to consumers. And it's becoming more popular in developing countries, even with uh, some local hygiene players. Uh, so in the past, wetness indicator is like ink, uh, but now it's uh, giving a better color and consumer experience. Some of the Wetness indicator is a printable ink with beautiful patterns and good humidity resistance, but the cost is very high and they need the film supplier to pre-print and then send to the hygiene player. So the application is limited to premium diapers. Yeah, I agree with Rocky. So so not all the diapers, the baby diapers in the market are using the wetness indicators. There are actually a few uh, being used in the island continent but uh, on the premium product. Besides the indicators, so it's, there is another uh, kind of uh, indicator, so that's that we call sensors. Sensors conveys more information than just the wetness, right? So we see there's articles, uh, manufacturers talking about 
convey the health and temperature conditions of wares are also interested by the consumer and uh, caregivers. But the sensors uh, are not uh, that in a high share of the market yet. So mm-hmm. we just uh, see a few example, uh, like a local brand, or it's called uh, O-Care, uh, is trying to incorporate smart indicator into their adult diaper to help the uh, caregivers know when to change. Yeah, I think it, it, it's a good innovation to put the sensor in a, in a diaper for uh, some elder person or for some babies or for people who need uh, special care. Uh, but whether it can be popular in the whole world, it uh, really depends on how consumer see the value. So we will wait yeah. and see mm-hmm. um, how, how the census goes. Yeah, but it's definitely taking the attention of the adult incontinence producer in this region. Yeah. Certainly. And yeah, we've seen that in, in other regions as well. It hasn't exactly taken off in a huge way, at least in North America either. Um, but you are starting to see some adult incontinence producers offering it as a convenience app, or particularly for caregivers, as you mentioned. And we heard several instances on our uh, menstrual health series about producers uh, or femtech companies, as they're, as they're referred to, using some sort of sensor as like a health indicator to go along with with menstrual products. And like you just mentioned, Tina, and I think that'll be a really interesting industry and development to follow in the coming years as to, is that a, an area for sensors to really take off and, and become a, a bit more mainstream outside of adult incontinence through the kind of health tracking and, and benefits of, of that aspect? Yeah, I, I, I think the last thing in my mind is the thing with the same size of the package, and a, a thinner diaper can pack can be packed more in the same bag. So it's more convenient. Families, weekend activities and for their long travel. So they don't have to uh, carry a big bag full of diapers. Yeah, so there are also a few cases that uh, address the convenience from the consumer point of view. So you might see those overnight pads and diapers. So the manufacturers claimed that one diaper for one night. So you don't need to change the diaper for the baby at night to annoy them. And there's also one fast growth category demonstration product that is the pant napkin. So that is a sanitary napkin, but it looks like underwear. So it's like pants, a big baby pants diaper. Yeah, but uh, that gives uh, like a 360 degree security for the women in the night. So they don't worry about the leakage. So that category actually grew very fast in, in China. And we even see it uh, expands to other countries, like Unicharm the Nut launched the Sophie Night Sanitary Pants Napkin that's in Thailand, and uh, the Diana's Super Night Pants in Vietnam. Even PNG launched the Always Triple Z Pants Napkin in US. So this product is kind of really address the uh, women's needs at night. So protect no leakage, and very convenient. Definitely a, a good point on the the period panties and the growth and popularity there, which we also heard about in, in some of our recent menstrual health episodes. So the next the next of the five C's that I thought would be good to talk about, and particularly because it is such a popular topic in the Asia Pacific market, is comfort. So how is that the trend of comfort um, and the consumer needs around comfort impacting the market in Asia Pacific? Yeah, so 
most important for comfort is the softness for hygiene disposable goods. And so I see there are three main uh, changes in the recent years on this softness improvement. So the first is the air laid long woven utilization. It, it was led by Cal who used uh, air laid long woven on top sheet. And then it uh, spread to most uh, mid to high end diapers. Uh, so actually a lot of modification are made on low movement to improve further the hand feeling and uh, moisture absorption speed and less revet. So this sometimes caused lower bonding strength uh, where we have provided some good uh, solution to our customers. And uh, another change is from tissue core wrap to low movement core wrap to improve the softness hand feel. And the third one I see is the SAP particles get stuck together in the signal core. And then it gives a very rigid touch fitting. So people are utilizing the thicker ADL acquisition distribution layer and the better distribution of SAP uh, from their process improvement to improve the hand fitting. Basically, um, also set up a SAP spray machine on our uh, F1 coder and we studied how adhesive can help on SAP distribution and the positioning to avoid this core cracking at both dry and wet conditions. Yeah, I agree with what Rocky said about the, the using of the high loft long oven to improve the softness of the uh, item products. So the softness are reviewed by consumer both for the cushion touch and silk fitting. So high loft long oven definitely address the benefits of being cushioned. But we also see some manufacturers use additive to improve the silk feeling. So for, for that case, that actually brings some challenges to our adhesives for the bonding. So you, you know, actually the consumers, then they like to, for the moment, they like to touch the back sheet of the diaper to feel it its uh, softness. Um, so we see uh, the, the long oven that some with some additives that actually improve the, uh, the touch and feeling. So it it's, feels like a silk. So that's, uh, that's considered, that, uh, considered as a more soft, be more comfort uh, for baby. Uh, we also see the difference uh, of review the softness in the countries across the Asia. So we see the consumers in China, Japan, Korea, and Thailand, they are more emphasized on the softness. While for the other countries like in India, Indonesia, and Vietnam, uh, they're not ranking that high on the softness. So they are more focused on the, uh, the leakage protection or reducing of uh, rashes of a baby, but of course, rashes are also important for the baby's comfort as well. Another is about the cotton. So besides the high loft non oven, we also see the cotton getting popular in this region, but mostly in the uh, menstruation products. So that cotton are considered comfort to skin, but also for the premium tier product as well. So it's gaining more and more consumers in Japan, Korea, and China, not only about the comfort, but also uh, due to its uh, natural attributes as well. Uh, we see almost all brand owners launched their cotton sanitary napkin in the market. Now, besides cotton, silk, and bamboo content sanitary napkin are also made available for consumers. So those natural uh, fiber are considered the comfort to consumers.
Yeah, certainly. And the the natural fiber, as as you mentioned, Tina, is something that we're definitely seeing coming into the market first on on feminine care and menstrual health products before eventually making their way over to, to baby diapers and not so much yet, but eventually into adult incontinence products. So yeah, seeing similar stuff in other regions with uh, the focus on natural fibers in feminine care and menstrual health products. Now, touching a little bit more on feminine care and menstrual health products. As we mentioned in a previous episode, one of the needs around pads and the comfort of pads is is stay in place place performance. So I was curious if we're seeing anything there as far as a market need or consumer awareness around stay in place. Is, is that something that consumers are either complaining about or asking for? I think stay in place is not a new need in the market. So we have heard it from time to time when we have our conversation with our customers. Bostic invented the test method to uh, simulate the real uh, stay in place instead of the the current industry um, practice, which is just PO strength test. We often heard the bumping at the at the issue of uh, stay in place instead of low PO strength. We seldom hear our customers say the product have low PO strength, but they say. The consumer complaint is the bumping. There could be a few complaints about the low PO strength, which is like a, a bottom line issue, which means you cannot keep the basic function. So many R&D managers told us they are trying to improve their stay-in-place uh, performance to reduce bumping. Yeah, so bumping is definitely not a comfort. And if we can make the pads stay in place, that uh, definitely improves the comfort of uh, consumer experience. Well, in China, if we review, uh, interview the, the Lepkin manufacturers, they actually didn't talk a lot of the stay in place. That's probably due to that uh, Lepkin products uh, are same, also have the whims to fix the pads in place. Uh, but if we look at uh, the Asian country, as I shared that in Indonesia, the majority of the Lepkin are the thick pads. The pad with whims is starting popular, but there's still major of the pads are without whims. And for such products, the stay in place is uh, indeed very important. So we continuously heard about uh, the stay in place issues in India and ASEAN. And those could be also related to the uh, consumer behavior uh, or maybe the humidity of the uh, environment. So as I showed that in India, consumer tends to wear pad longer. So uh, it, it makes this stay in place at a long wearing time more important. Yeah, definitely. And last question on comfort then, are, are there any other trends that you're seeing for comfort when it comes to, to new products on the market? Yeah, as I said before that, like there are some new natural additives ingredients is being added into the products, uh, such as shea butter, uh, which is claimed to provide skin care benefits to improve comfort. Uh, this will be in line with the general increase in consumer concerns about the health impact of artificial chemicals as well. So in Vietnam and Thailand, consumers embrace products with cooling, fresh methyl technology. Uh, this technology was innovated by Unicham, has been very successful in the Vietnamese market, 
many other brands follow the trend of launching cooling pads in these markets. I guess it's probably related to the uh, high temperature of the environment. The consumers is re- really like the cooling uh, feeling uh, that's given by the pads during the period. Yeah, that's 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 very interesting. I've obviously heard of menthol being used in in other products for that cooling feeling, but never in a hygiene product. So that's that's really interesting that that's a, a popular technology and products in in Vietnam and Thailand, which, as you said, are can be very warm in, in human environments. So then the, the last C I'd like to cover of our five C's is the trend of confidence. And I was wondering from an odor or a skin sensitivity or or even things like transparency and labeling, what are what are you seeing in the Asia Pacific market when it comes to the trend of confidence? Yeah, so I think odor is one of the very important part for confidence. So just from the hygiene goods perspective, so odor become a standardized item, so which means the low odor is a basic requirement, but it won't gain any premium if odor is lower than the acceptable level. Uh, level. We are monitoring the use of perfume to improve consumers' perception on hygiene goods. Uh, so perfume acceptance is it's very subjective we don't see a universal perfume fit for all the consumers so exactly so uh, perfumes are also used by some article manufacturers in their product, uh, but the consumer uh, you know, acceptance are different in different regions. We see that uh, the fragranced lapkin is more popular in Thailand and in Indonesia, and it, now it starts getting popular in Japan. Actually, Unicham is, is leading the, the trend in the market, so they launched several tiers of the product with different kinds of uh, aroma that heal women's feelings even during the period. And not only about the odors of the product before use, the manufacturers also uh, focus on the odor during the use or after use, especially for the add-on contents. There are products sold in Japan that can absorb odor during use and uh, also after use. So we're also starting to see some add-on content manufacturers in China promoting the odor absorb function of their add-on content diaper. Yeah, so the the odor, yes, it's important because they will, especially for the uh, add-on content users, they might not want others to know that they're wearing a product. Okay. And what about trends in, in consumer confidence around transparency and things like product labeling? Yeah, talking about the transparency, actually we touched a little bit in the previous talk. Uh, the ingredients of the hydrogen articles are getting more transparent. And the article manufacturers are paying more attention about what are content in the raw materials and what can be detected in their products. Uh, we actually know that uh, starting from Europe, in France, the chemphobia is getting spread in Europe. Uh, well, actually in Asia, uh, we haven't seen this topic uh, was uh, fermented by the media yet. So, But we actually see some com- consumers in Korea is probably more sensitive to what contains in diapers or lab games. So the product producers there in Korea are cautious about what content in the raw materials and what they're using for the raw material suppliers. It is suppliers like like us. We are actually need to be experienced and we are capable of providing the support 
on the transparency of uh, our product. Because of the e-commerce, any suspicious uh, topic can spread very quickly on the e-commerce platform, which means um, everybody can see it. Then it, a small issue can become a very big issue. Then the hygiene players try their best to resolve these issues quickly. I think the general speaking, um, the current uh, confidence of the consumer on transparency is good. Yeah, I would definitely agree agree with that. And as you said, Rocky, I think the gaining popularity of e-commerce has kind of put the onus on brands to really be aware of that and be as transparent as possible so that their customers can know what, what's in the product and you know you're you're avoiding any concerns from from customers for sure. No, I just uh, want to continue talking about the echo labels. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Talking about uh, eco labels, getting labels or certifications on materials or products to obtain an announcement in the uh, article producer's product is popular. So Unicharm has acquired the COC certification of PFC Forest Stewardship Program. It's an inter- international forest stewardship council at uh, Yunchang got in the five plants in Japan. So they make it the first maker of disposable diapers and the family hygiene products in Japan that has acquired the certification. And we also heard that the manufacturers like Unicham and also some local, even local Chinese manufacturer are trying to get the Echo Tax 100 label on their products. So uh, the safety is actually, uh, yeah, get uh, high attention of those article manufacturers today uh, to show that uh, their products are being contained in safe uh, for their consumer. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, a big concern. And I know that the the labels and the transparency, but getting those labels and certifications are are huge in easing the minds of consumers and giving them confidence that the products that they're buying are are kind of meeting the standards that they they expect them to meet. And I, I think we'll certainly continue to see things like eco labels grow, uh, obviously not just in Asia Pacific, but globally as more brands move in the, the sustainability space and offering these sustainable products, uh, they'll need to get them certified as such. So with that, I think we've we've reached the end of our interview. I, I know we we could have could probably spend another half an hour to an hour talking about all the different topics in the the Asia Pacific market, but I want to be conscious of both of your time. So, Rocky and Tina, I really appreciate you both joining me. Thank you both for your time and educating me and our audience about the Asia Pacific market. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, you Jack. Jack. It's our pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode. On our next episode, we'll be returning to an incontinence product user panel, but this time the panelists will be based in North America so we can get a few perspectives from that region. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and it's hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Paul Andrews, Michelle Tonkovitz, Emery Chernis, and Nikki Ackerman at Green Onion Creative. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. Once again, we'd like to extend a special thank you to our guests today, Tina Lee and Rocky Yeah. You can find Tina on LinkedIn, where you can feel free to address any emails to Rocky or Tina directly at our hygiene at email address. 
Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.